We are on to round two, and we're on to episode 48 of The Night Shift. Kyle Grimard and Mike Stubbs uh, as we get set and ready to go for a rematch from last year's first round playoff matchup between the London Knights and the Kitchener Rangers. You can follow the podcast and all the other episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. We're also up at globalnews.ca. At Stubbs980 on Twitter, at Kyle Grimard, G-R-I-M-A-R-D. Mike's also the first live uh, podcast we've been able to do together because we work in different departments so it's uh this is good it's exciting same room probably the best audio we've ever had so <laughs> yeah let's dive into this we'll preview the kitchener london series in a big way on the day of game one so we'll have a podcast that comes out on thursday april the 13th but right now we get a chance kyle to look back at how the knights beat owen sound update some injuries look at the rest of the round two matchups everything is ready to go there was one game seven in the first round it ended with the saginaw spirit beating the flint firebirds they had won the i-75 divide cup during the regular season they win this series in seven games and boy do they get a nice run as the hosts of the memorial cup in 2024 to give themselves a sense of what the competition will be like. We'll talk about Sarnia and Saginaw later, but if you want to see what a team going to the Memorial Cup looks like, the Sarnia Sting could be a team like that. So great opportunity for the Saginaw Spirit who will host next year. But here we go, Kyle, a four-game sweep of the Owen Sound attack as the Knights come through and find different ways to win. Overtime, Bayshore bounce, but they get a nice break after a four-game sweep, just like their opponent. Yep, and similar to the Kitchener Rangers, they also swept, of course, the, the big story around that. We'll talk about it later, but both teams getting sweeps, both teams allowing themselves to sit and rest and get ready for the matchup coming up on Thursday. And, you know, I... I mean, it's it's easy to say now, but I think that matchup is going to be a lot tighter than either series both teams had to play through, despite the fact that Kitchener was the eight seed going into Windsor. There was just something off, I guess, with Windsor in that series. And once you saw the first game go to Kitchener, then the second game, you just thought doubts started creeping into their minds in Windsor. And then you, you're down to nothing going back into Kitchener at the auditorium. And all it takes, it's a tough building to play in. Well, Windsor is going to give the London Knights a look as they go back through those games at the difference between being a good team in the regular season and a good team in the playoffs. Kitchener has big players. You look who leads them in scoring. Mitch Martin leads them in scoring. The man is massive. That's not any kind of surprise. Windsor just didn't have that that grit, that strength, and that playoff-style mentality in that first round. Whether they could have found it somewhere else, don't know. But that toughness just wasn't there that they needed. Kitchener brings that. And so now the Knights go head-to-head with that. They do. And, you know, they they got there in a pretty emphatic statement going into Owen Sound after coming out of a, an overtime victory with the Bayshore bounce. And they skate their way to a 5 nothing victory in Owen Sound in a game-clinching game. That's that's a big statement to me. When a team goes in in a do-or-die moment, the team in Owen Sound is backed up against the wall, you've got nothing to lose, and London comes out, you get amazing goaltending, the second shutout of the series for Brett Brochu. You get big contributions, a four-point night from Logan Mayhew. You get a tight game all the way to the third, and then the Knights just decided, we're taking this thing over, and they went out and won that game. You need guys to step up in a series. Sean McGurn did it early 
Max McHugh, physical all series long. Logan Mayu, point production late, having the assist on the overtime winner in game three, and then two goals and two assists in game four. He was dynamite. The key for the London Knights to beating the Owen Sound attack, honestly, Kyle, it was adjusting to something that the Owen Sound attack were not expected to do, had never done before, and yet they threw it at the Knights. In game number two, Owen Sound is an aggressive team. They come at you. They have a building that allows them to do that. The fans feel like they're on top of you. The game feels like it moves very quickly. And yet, Owen Sound abandons that after a 7-0 loss in game number one, and they go to a 1-3-1, and that basically is a trap. So you've got one four-checker up, but he's not even that deep into the offensive zone on a four-check. You've got three guys lined up in the neutral zone, and you've got one guy who could have conversations with the goalie he was so far back. And so that eliminated the Knights being able to dump the puck in cross-corner because that D would just get there. And so they had to really adjust, and they had to do it on the fly. In fact, Dylan Hunter talked about the adjustment in-game, in Game 2, because all of a sudden your opponent, for all that you've prepared, and we talked about the Knights' preparation going into this series, all that they do, all the games that they watch, the things that they try and highlight for their players, you are prepared if you are on the London Knights and here's something they couldn't even prepare for. They threw a curveball at us going to 1-3-1. We didn't see that one coming. So kind of on the fly adjustments, the guys did well. Uh, you know, we don't really practice for that. So I thought they, they adjusted accordingly. Yeah, they're not a team that normally, you know, thinks like that, acts like that. So all no. of a sudden they're they're playing back. They're playing defensive. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, yeah, they had three across the blue. So it's, uh, you know, it was uh, just a change up. You know, you don't see it employed very often. Usually, I mean, we've done it before when, we're giving them too many goals or something like that. But, uh, yeah, you know, you don't see it. They did a good job, like I said, adjusting. Sometimes you can try to be a little cute on that line and think you have a lot of ice, and that's what the one three one does. Makes you think you have room, try to dangle through, and they're back two-on-one. So they did a good job dumping it in, changing the mindset. All that time of spending game planning and crumple it into a ball, throw it in the garbage, start over and adjust on the fly. Cause that's what London had to do. And that's, that's the beauty of sports is you can prepare, you can watch film, you can go in and, and have a plan set and ready to go. And by game two, you're crumpling that plan and trying to think of something else because the team that you're playing against has completely changed and adapted the way that they're going to play you. And that's what makes great coaching. That's why Dale Hunter has over 900 wins in the Ontario Hockey League because he knows he doesn't panic. I don't think there's ever been a moment. If you ask any Knights fan, have you ever seen Dale Hunter look like a panic on the bench at any moment or any given time? They'll laugh you out of the out of the room because that's just not who he is. He takes a second. He adapts. He said, no big deal. This is what we're going to do. And the Knights did that really without having like they made adjustments, but it wasn't a big change for how the team wanted to play. No, it wasn't. And they can play any style. And that's one of the keys to winning in the playoffs. You've got to be versatile. So when your opponent throws that at you, no problem. Yeah, we'll we'll deal with this. We've seen other teams do it, so let's switch this. Let's do this. Let's do this. And they did that in game two, and they wound up with an overtime win. It wasn't easy. And then the expectation seemed to really be that, okay, well, Owen Sound tried that, but it didn't work. They'll probably, on their home ice, go back to that aggressive style. They didn't. And then you think, well, at game four, they'll probably go back to what worked for them, that aggressive style. They didn't. And so you had to be ready for anything that they were throwing at you. And the Knights were able to do that. And 
Good defensive zone work, good goaltending from Brett Brochu, and a good first-round series that gives you a lot of rest. If we're to look at injuries, they did factor into the series. Max McHugh, two enormous hits. Neither one was penalized, and the league would have had an opportunity to review afterward. No suspension. So Max McHugh on Sam Sedley, a big hit. Sam Sedley does not play again in the series. Max McHugh... Takes advantage of Colby Barlow losing a puck in his feet in the first period in game four and absolutely levels him in the defensive zone for Owen Sound, in the offensive zone for the London Knights. Barlow suffered a lower body injury. He left the game. He did not return. Now, the London Knights on the other side did lose Isaiah George. He's listed as day-to-day with an upper body injury. We'll get a better picture as the week goes along as to whether or not Isaiah George could be ready for the start of this series or could play in this series. He's a big piece for the Knights. But such an important part of playoff success is having depth at the position. And out comes Isaiah George. Who fills in for him? Connor Federkow. What does he do in game four? Scores a goal. Like he came in and maybe that attributed to him playing forward at times. He was playing on the fourth and third lines as a physical guy who was creating offense at times. And he goes back and plays a very physical brand of defense. And he's is getting a little bit more accustomed to stepping up into play as a winger. So what does he do on the back end? He <laughs> finds a play. He sees his opportunity. He steps up into the slot. He takes a, I believe it was a rebound and he finds a way to bury it and give the Knights a two, nothing lead in game four. And that's just, he gets an opportunity to play in a very different position and he thinks and sees the game totally differently but you've got a guy who can go back on defense and fill that void, and you're not scrambling as a team or a coaching staff trying to find out how are we going to place Isaiah, uh, replace Isaiah George because he's not an easy player to do that, but the Knights have players that can step in and fill those voids. That's why they're so deep at so many parts of their, their offense, their defense. They've got two goaltenders they believe in. It's a well-built team, and they've got depth everywhere. Well, what... Dale Hunter loves to have, and any coach really loves to have, is a guy who can go up and back. And we've seen Connor Federkow do that a little bit this year. And the Knights were going with seven defensemen. They ended up going with six as the series went along. But Connor Federkow is that guy. He's that guy that's like Tyler Ferry used to be on championship teams, like Rick Stedman used to be, where he can play forward and defense. He can do it interchangeably. And it's a brilliant thing. And he scored a massive, massive goal for the Knights. And it's great to see that happen. You have to have that depth. And that's one of the other reasons why the Knights were able to get through the Owen Sound attack. So now we've got the round two matchup set, Kyle. Sarnia and Saginaw. The Sting had a 3-0 lead on the Guelph Storm. They'd won once in overtime. And then the Storm pushed that to overtime of game number six. And that was a really interesting game. The Guelph Storm... They had their chances. Sarnia found a way to win. Good teams do. And now you get Saginaw going up against Sarnia. So two teams that aren't exactly as rested as the Knights and the Rangers. The Spirit traded away players this year. Josh Bloom went to North Bay. Pavel Minchikov went to Ottawa. I mean, these are big-time players for them. Braden Hislop went to North Bay. And yet, they've now found their way into the second round. That's impressive. Saginaw is going on a tour here. So this is this is like, hey, we think we're going to be moving to a city. Let's go and see what that city is like. We'll drive around. We'll check out what there is to do. We'll see where we might like to live because they know they're going to be in the Memorial Cup next year. So this, this is gravy for the Saginaw spirit. To go seven games and now to get a second-round series against one of the top teams in junior hockey – 
Brilliant for them. For Sarnia, Kyle, they've never been to the conference finals. Never. They've never been to the final four in the OHL. This may be their best shot that they've ever had. Well, and now here they go. And that's exactly what I was going to say. This is probably their best opportunity. It's one of their better teams. They got hot at the right time. They finished the season, albeit a final game where they didn't really, they rested a bunch of players, but they finished off with a 17-game point streak right up until the last game of the year. They win their first three games against Guelph, who you know found a way to fight back. That fourth win is always the toughest. You ask anybody that has played hockey or has covered hockey for as long as anyone has had, that fourth and deciding win to clinch a series is the toughest toughest one because that's where you're going to get an all-out assault from your opponent saying it's do or die backs against the wall and that's what Guelph did they were down three nothing they battled back they made it a three two series it took overtime for Sarnia to go and win that 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 game in that series they move on and like you said they get a Saginaw team who no one really was expecting it to to be in the second round and good for them and it's it's not a, a dig at all but like you mentioned they traded away players at the deadline and they won an, uh, an opening round series. It says a lot about, one, the character of that team, the coaching staff, and what they're building towards. And now you get to go in and play a team like Sarnia, who a lot of people, you and I talked about it on this podcast. If there's one team you don't want to play in the Western Conference, who is it? And we landed on Sarnia <laughs> as the team you don't want to play. This is a great chance for them. And, you know, they get home ice again, which is they wouldn't have happened had Windsor won their series against Kitchener. So Sarnia gets to stay at home for the first two games, gives them a great chance. And they could be a team heading to the, the conference finals. This could be if Windsor had beaten Kitchener. If this had gone the way that the Eastern Conference went, where one, two, three, and four moved through. This would be a game that, or this would be a series where the London Knights and the Sarnia Sting were meeting up. So the Sting avoid the Knights, the Rangers, the Spitfires. So now they've got to take advantage of that. But Saginaw is not exactly going to back down. Hey, if you could make it to the Memorial Cup this year and see what that's like. Wow, that's, that's a really deep city tour that you're taking. And then we look over at the East. And Kyle, it went exactly according to plan. Hamilton maybe gave Barry more of a run than you would have expected. Watch out for Hamilton, soon to be the Brantford Bulldogs in the future for that. And then if we look, Ottawa will now play Peterborough. If we break it down quickly, Ottawa went 5-2 and two against the Peets this year, won the last four in a row. The Peets, like the Knights, have some former Bulldogs on their team, guys who know how to win. And so that will be a fascinating matchup. Barry takes on North Bay. The Battalion went 5-1 and one against the Colts this year with two overtime victories. And so North Bay probably goes in as the favorite. Maybe Mississauga gave them a little bit more trouble. But you know what Mississauga gave to North Bay? They gave them a look at a team that, because North Bay plays so structured, so positionally sound, Mississauga didn't care. They were just throwing pucks at the North Bay net from all over the place, and it actually worked out okay. Interesting to see if Barry uses some of the same tactics. Well, it's funny. That's exactly what I was thinking. North Bay is a very set, they're a very clean and organized team and what did Mississauga do threw chaos at them and said (laughs) find a way to deal with this and that's you know that's sometimes what the game plan has to be right when you play a team that is so structured so organized when you know a team has maybe a little bit more skill what do you do you throw physicality at them and say let's see how you answer to this so there's always a comeback for whatever a team's strengths are you can combat it even if it's organized clean everything is perfect you throw a little chaos in there and see how they react Those are the other three series. We're down to just four series. 
Before we close out the night's first round completely, here is Rick Stedman on the plan that the Knights put together and how it wound up being executed. They, they played hard. We had some tough overtime games. And the guys all came together. They they worked hard as a team, and I think everybody contributed from top to bottom. So anytime you can do that in a series, it always ends up well for you. When you look at maybe a tentative start from both teams, was there anything you point to that said, okay, this has us going in the right direction? I, I think we were just coming line after line, got deep pairing after deep pairing all, all pretty good so anytime you get more than just one line going it helps so we're just coming out in waves and just we're hoping to find a little little space and once we did we were going now you look ahead to kitchener what do you think yeah i mean they, they stepped up and uh, they beat the top team out right so uh anytime you can do that they're playing well right now um all their guys are they look like they're they're going on all all five cylinders so it's gonna be one of those things where you just have to be ready uh play our game and hopefully we can London Knights assistant coach Rick Stedman on that plan by the Knights and ultimately four-game sweep of the Owen Sound attack. The Kitchener Rangers are coming off a four-game sweep of the Windsor Spitfires. First time ever, Kyle, that an eight seed had beaten a number one seed in four straight. It's crazy to think about considering how many you know, really good eight seeds have been in the past, especially the OHL where anything goes in this league. You know, you see it in the, in the national league and at other pro levels, but you know, the OHL at times, you know, you'll see scores. We saw it this year. Games were 11, 10 and seven, five. And you never know come playoffs. What, seven or eight seed is going to find that rhythm. But you and I talked about this right here on the podcast too. This is one of the best 18, eight seed teams that you have seen in a long time. And did it ever show? A four-game sweep of a team that loaded up, acquired Shane Wright, a few other players. Them and you probably guess Ottawa were the two teams that loaded up the most. You want to put that in quotations. But Windsor was a team that made the showing saying, we are going for it this year. This is where we want to show, like we want to make a run at it. And this is what happens sometimes. As much as, as good as that team looked like they were on paper, you run into a team of veterans, of players that have been there before, and Kitchener, who was battling all up until the end of the season, they just continue that play right into to round one, and they find a way to not only win, win in emphatic fashion. And poor Windsor. Take a look at their draft cupboard. It is bare. This year, you talk about loading up, Kyle, for Shane Wright, for Brett Harrison who is from Dorchester, and for defenseman Jacob Holmes, the Windsor Spitfires gave up seven second-round picks, eight third-round picks, a fourth, a fifth, and a sixth. If the draft had worked how it used to, you would basically make that first pick and go to lunch if you were the Windsor Spitfires because I believe right now they have a first-round pick and they don't select again until the sixth. And so next year, they're going to have to move some players who they otherwise would have hung on to. They'll have to make a decision on overagers and and hope to get some of those picks back by trading some players that they otherwise might not have wanted to. It's... Uh, it's a tough loss for the Windsor Spitfires. It really, really is. Want to take a quick sneak peek of the Knights and the Rangers yeah, before let's we do close it. out? Yeah, of course. We'll have a full preview of the yeah. series on Thursday. Game number one is on Thursday. Game number two will be Friday. That'll be April the 14th. And then game three is in Kitchener on Sunday afternoon, April 16th. Game four is on the 18th, which is Tuesday. So it goes Thursday, Friday. 
Sunday, Tuesday. That's the way that the series begins. The Knights won the season series, Kyle, 5-1. So they won five of the six games. But you can toss out the last one because Kitchener didn't dress many players. And then you can probably toss out the first two because that wasn't really the Kitchener Rangers team that we saw at times. Kitchener is playing like they did in February against the London Knights when the scores were 4-3 in overtime and 5-4. The Knights won both of those games, but it was that tight. That's the Kitchener Ranger team you can expect to see. We mentioned Mitch Martin and his size, physicality, led Kitchener in scoring in round one. Not a surprise, not a mistake. Reed Vallad in his final year is looking great. Carson Rakoff, better than a point per game against Windsor, very dangerous on the power play. One of the keys that we'll talk about a lot on Thursday, Francesco Pinelli was suspended in the first round for a hit that he delivered on Oliver Peer of the Windsor Spitfires. Francesco Pinelli is the captain of the Kitchener Rangers, and he's a guy that really makes them go and he will not play in games one and two. Now, there was some thought, hey, he didn't play in game four against Windsor. What's going to happen there? Kitchener beat the Spitfires anyway. That's what I was going to say. He missed game four, and they still won anyways. But that that goes to show the team that they've they've assembled over there in Kitchener. And, you know, there's a lot of people who, you know, are that kind of in that in-between who we talk to all the time who, you know, they're kind of split on Rangers fans and Knights fans. This is going to be a ton of fun. But like you said, there's a lot of – they have a lot of similarities that the Knights do. They've got a lot of depth. Even when players are not in the lineup, they still find ways to win because other players elevate themselves and pick up the slack. The Knights at times were missing were missing guys due to injury or due to whatever, and you'd see other players like Brody Crane and Denver Barkey and you name it elevate their games and step up. Max McHugh is going to be going, again, he's an X-factor for this team, so when he's involved, he picks up. Ryan Winterton's all of a sudden getting uh, you know, his scoring touch right at the perfect time. Ryan Humphrey scoring game-winning goals for the Knights. So it's there are guys on both teams that elevate their games when called upon, and I think that's going to make for a great first-round series. Those first two games, though, are incredibly important for London to find a way to win with their captain sitting on the sitting in the stands for for games one and two. The other storyline, we'll take you back to a George Diaco line on Thursday when we release our next podcast. That will be. George Diaco, Ryan Winterton, and Ryan Humphrey going up against their former teammate in goal for the Kitchener Rangers, Marco Costantini, who was very good in round one against Windsor. And we asked George Diaco, who has the advantage when a goalie and a shooter know each other? Kyle, you know the answer to yeah. it. George says, hands down, it's the goalie. He knows everything that we can do. The Knights have to find a way around that. They do. And the only caveat on that is there's the odd player now and then that just find like they have the goaltender's number. And for the Knights, they're hoping that one of those three guys is that kryptonite to Constantini. But th- again, we'll, we'll, we'll dive into that a lot more on the Thursday's podcast, but it should make for a great series. We'll even do maybe uh, series predictions, who we think is going to be the biggest factor for either team. But it's, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And this is what the playoffs are all about. That's it. Can't wait. Round two. Going to be a lot of fun. Follow the podcast, like we mentioned, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. We're up at globalnews.ca. Got a question for the podcast? Either one of us as well. Uh, you can shoot us a tweet at stubs 9 a with two Bs, at Kyle Grimard, G-R-I-M-A-R-D. Search for The Night Shift, and you can find it on all platforms. Until then, we'll preview it Thursday. And, well, as always, go Nance, go.